Welcome to Accelerate OC, the only show focused on the people leading innovation in Orange County. Join our host, Carrie Ransom, in his conversations with the trendsetters, entrepreneurs, investors, and leaders here, because it's time to Accelerate OC. Welcome to Accelerate Show. I'm Carrie Ransom, and today's episode is sponsored by OC4 Venture Studio, which is the new tech startup company building platform and community here in Orange County. If you are looking for help with your startup or opportunities to work with the next generation of high growth companies being built here, or you want to be part of the Orange County startup community, you can go to OC4V.com to learn more. I am super excited to have my new friend, Jenny Denon, on the show with me today. And before we get to hear from Jenny, I want to tell you a little bit about her. So she is currently president of sales and marketing at McKinsey Corporation. And the company's been around for over 30 years, and they have been focused on turning analytics into action and using data-driven insights to help companies strengthen their customer relationships. And this is a topic that is near and dear to my heart. So we will have a lot to talk about today. And it really, you know, remarkably, this idea of like improving customer experience has been a somewhat recent focus for a lot of businesses. And this idea of really turning to a more customer focus, there have been uh, a lot of things written in recent years about using more of an outside in view of companies as opposed to thinking inside out. And so uh, a lot of companies have finally decided they can't ignore it or they're going to probably get put out of business if they stop focusing on, on why they're in business in the first place, which is typically to, to solve problems and serve customers. So Jenny's really at the front lines of this and helping, in, in many cases, I think companies see the light of what this actually means. And so, as I said, we're going to have a lot to talk about there. Uh, she's been in the business for over 10 years, I think about 12 years at this point, and it's actually a family business. And so uh, her dad started the business in about 1985, and now Jenny and her sister, Katie, run the company. And I can certainly relate to this because, as many of my listeners know, I grew up in a family business, and I, uh, I, I know that world pretty deeply. And the thing about Orange County, which Jenny and I talked about previously, is there are a lot of really cool, compelling family businesses here in the area. And we want to try to figure out how do we connect that group to this startup community and to the other types of businesses that have been built or are in the area. And so that's a, a commitment that we have to each other to try to help figure this out in the coming years. She's super active in the community, uh, both at schools like Chapman in their business school and uh, Cal State Fullerton that has a really good family business program. And she recently joined the board of a group called Team Kids as well. And so we'll, uh, I'll give her a chance to talk a little bit more about Team Kids on the show today. Jane, it's really great to have you here on the Accelerate Show today. Oh, thank you for having me. I am so excited about this. From the minute we met, gosh, there's so many things that we just like, everything from family business to entrepreneur and um, just what you've got going on. So I'm 100% bought in of what you're doing. I'm here of connecting businesses, sharing stories. So thank you for having me on the show today. Absolutely. So let's get to the starting line. 
I gave kind of a brief intro into McKinsey Corporation. Give the audience a little bit more of an introduction from your perspective. Yeah, so McKinsey, like you said, it's a family business uh, that we've been around for over 35 years. We've got an incredible um, team um, here at McKinsey, incredible partners that we have. And really, it's about empowering businesses to make better business decisions, um, but really focused around the customers. Um, and kind of how you have, I think, one of your taglines that really got me going on your LinkedIn page is there's got to be a better way um, of running businesses or building companies, I think you have. We truly believe there's got to be a better way of leveraging data, customer insights um, to make better customer experiences. So. Yes. Um, we love uh, what we're doing. Uh, we can kind of get into it, but people say, how, how has your business changed in 35 years? I mean, being in the data space mm -hmm. and the customer experience space, it has changed tremendously over 35 yes. years. But I will say that we, when we talk to our staff and our team members, what hasn't changed is the focus on the customer, mm -hmm. um, focused on um, using their voice, using data to make better business decisions. Now we're just, you know, a fire hose of a lot more of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's, it's a really fun, exciting space to be in. So, um, yeah. Very cool. So yeah. let's, uh, let's talk about kind of recent changes. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things that I thought was, was pretty interesting a year-ish ago, um, this group called the Business Roundtable, which represents a lot of the biggest companies in, in the country, came out and they said, you know what, we, we kind of lost our way. Mm -hmm. Businesses don't solely exist for shareholders. And yeah. we need to have a more of a multi-constituency view. We need to think about our customers. We need to think about our community. We think, need to think about our employees. Mm -hmm. So as, as you think about you know, having, do you, how, how much more aware or uh, convincing do you feel like you have to do today versus 10 years ago of how important it is to have customers at the table in, in the, the process of making decisions and, and thinking about yeah. sort of the purpose of business? It is nice, like you said, for the past, you know, 10 plus years or before, I was definitely in the convincing business, mm -hmm. um, which seemed mind boggling. I yes. mean, the sole purpose of having a business um, is not just for profit, right? And it's, and the way to get to that is solving a business problem, um, making people's lives better, doing that kind of thing. So we were definitely in the convincing business. Um, we are now, I'd say, in the confirming business. Yes. I think that people understand now that businesses are not 100% um, in control. Their customers mm -hmm. now have the voice. They are more in control. Now we're in the confirming business, and I think more companies say, okay, I get it. I know that we need to do this. We don't know how to do this. Mm -hmm. So now we're in more of the confirming business and um, shining the light on how to get it done mm -hmm. um, and the best way to do it. Because I do think that now more than ever companies get it, but they might be spinning their wheels um, and focusing on things that don't necessarily matter. I said, we don't want to spin our wheels in the mud on programs that don't matter. We want to make sure that we're looking at the bigger picture. Sure. Uh, so I think companies, and I think even now in this time, I mean, we're recording this right in the middle of COVID and where we are that things have just fundamentally changed. Mm -hmm. um, so businesses now realize their customers um, hold a lot of the power um, and they sure as heck better be including them in the discussion of where they're going as a business um, and bring them in the fold. I mean, mm -hmm. it's 
Um, so it's exciting. It's crazy to me that somebody a while ago, a business mentor of mine said, you know, I think CX is kind of played out. I'm like, it is not played out. And, I get it, and I'm sad that it's maybe considered a buzzword. Sure. Um, but uh, focusing on your customer, I don't think should ever be played out. Yes, that's right. uh, and there's always, um, yeah, yes, it, there is a big focus and I love it. I mean, I love that the conversation and I wrote down actually, um, you said outside in, um, it's like the Bible. There's a book out there, you know, the outside yes. in book, yes. the Bible for mm -hmm. customer experience professionals. So if you haven't read it, everybody out great there, book. Buy yes. This. yes. Yeah. Great book. <laughs> yeah. So if you look at the last, you know, say a couple years, few years, I mean, what, what changes have you seen in either, you know, how people think about collecting data or the type of data that they are collecting to really yeah. get to the heart of some customer input? Any, any you know, things that come to mind there? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think one of the big things is before, and it's, it's just an interesting swing of where we go, right? Before businesses were really making decision on gut feel, yes. intuition, whatnot. I do feel like we're swinging way over here. I hear a lot of data-driven decisions, yes. data-driven decisions, which obviously makes me very excited because I'm in the data space. Um, I caution people though of swinging so far this okay. way, and then I will get to your question of how we collect, but I just kind of want to even say of Yes. If, if we stay down here in the data-driven decisions and we only are focused on data, we're going to be, we're going to drown in the data that's mm -hmm. down here. Mm -hmm. And we can't just look at the numbers um, and, and just head down. We have to then come back up to say, it's not just data. We got to be making insights, knowledge, wisdom. We got to come up the ladder a little bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think that where I've seen a switch is so many companies are just like, yep, all we got to be looking is numbers, 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 looking at clicks, looking at, you know, what people are doing. But I think where we're going, which I'm excited about, is kind of coming back a little bit more of actually having human interaction because we have to look at historical data. We have to look at patterns and trends. We have to look at all that, but we also need to take a look at actually connecting with human beings and talking yes. to them in an authentic way. Yes. I think, I mean, there's qual um, mm -hmm. and quant, obviously doing your yep. survey out there yep. and validating at scale is huge, but the qual and actually having one-on-one -on -one conversations with people, mm. engaging with people, I think is having a really big comeback. Yes. Um, and I know obviously in this time of having human interaction, um, I think that's a, um, it's a luxury right now of being able to have human interaction, but having the ability to truly connect with one, um, a one-on-one -on -one and get people's feedback um, is a really big thing. Yes. Um, so I think that, I mean, it's kind of a roundabout way, but I think that kind of what's old is coming back new of having this one-on-one human interaction mm. um, and engaging with people with a more authentic um, way of doing it as, a as opposed to just collecting their feedback and making assumptions. Mm -hmm. uh, we know what they're doing, but now we really need to focus on why they're doing it yes. and getting below the surface, um, which gets me excited. Yeah. I, I think that's great. It's, it's funny, uh, our head of product put out a, we, we do a lot of videos, yeah. and she put out a challenge yesterday, which- Five, was, five customers. Five customers, exactly. So we, yeah, totally, yeah, we totally agree. And, it, and you know, I, I like to use the term, I don't think it's used very often. I like to use the term data informed. Yeah, In yes. That, you know, data driven is, is more the more common one, which, which sort of can give you that opportunity to say, oh, like only use the data, that's all we care about. And I totally agree that 
you need to, you know, really good decision makers are going to synthesize a lot of inputs. And I think that that's where you can point you in the right direction, right? But I've got a sticky note on my computer that says, why might this be? So that is a question I'm always asking. That'll start showing me patterns, trends, whatnot. Sales are up, sales are down. And then even just the other day, we're working with a big power sports company. I said, okay, is this because of, why might these numbers be? Is it an inventory mm -hmm. issue? Is it the economy issue? Is it this? Like now we can really start digging in. We always have to be challenging and questioning, why might this be? Yes. Why are we not thinking about, let's get out and ask more follow-up questions. Um, I loved when, um, what's, should I, what's her name, your um, product person? Oh, Tracy. Tracy. I loved her thing. It is shocking to me the number of companies, and I say to them, when was the last time that you went out as a leader of your company and actually talked to your customers um, and actually figure out what are they really feeling and doing and experiencing? 100%. 100%. Uh, yes. Get out and talk to people. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah. that's great. I mean, we knew we knew we'd have a lot to uh, yeah. to uh, share. So that's that's good. So if you think about your business, though, and and mm -hmm. maybe market as well, and you, you're projecting out. I mean, right now, I think a lot of us are in this place of where's the world going to be three months, six months, a year out. But I, I tend to look out a little bit longer term, given how mm -hmm. early we get involved in companies, and we have to have these beliefs that the market will continue to evolve in that direction. But if you look at your business, I mean, data is not going away. We're, we're multiplying it at exponential rates. Mm -hmm. The need, to your point, to better create experiences for customers is as relevant now and will continue to be. I, I was actually having a conversation yesterday with, with a friend and said, you know, I grew up in retail and the bar for a physical retail customer experience now to get me out of my house and get me to come into your store, that bar has been raised considerably yeah. during COVID. Yeah. So new, probably new experimentation, new data that's going to have to be, get created. So as you look at your business though, long-winded mm -hmm. way to say, you know, how, what gets you super excited or as you're thinking about what's, what's out in front over the next few years, what, what is it that has you really excited about your business in the next few years? I'm excited. I mean, there's so much right now. There's so much innovation, growth and change that's happening. I mean, I really, there, there is a lot of obviously stuff going on that is, yes. you know, sad and everything that's happening out in the world. But there's also at the same time, I mean, even just having these conversations, there is so many companies out there doing amazing things, people doing amazing things, uh, people that are coming together. Um, I'm excited because, I mean, quite honestly, things are getting shaken up right now, right? And even, um, I mean, experiential marketing is not new because of COVID. The writing was on the wall, right. you know, last year, the year before, it was coming, right? So we're doing a lot of work right now of um, questioning of what's different, what's going on. We are doing a lot in the strategic foresight world. Also, uh, like when I was thinking of combining things together, so looking at historic data, figuring out what's happening right now. We do a lot of market mapping, who are your competitors mm -hmm. now, which are probably different than what they were before, mm -hmm. um, indirect, direct, whatnot. We were talking um, uh, tourism right now. Uh, you know, other hotels might have been direct competitors. Well, now, I mean, I just bought, I mean, my husband is making boomers in my backyard right now. I got the blow up pool. We got the golf mm -hmm. course. We've got mm -hmm. the pop-a-shot thing. Yep. 
that is a competitor of these yes. hotels out here. Right. It's all different. The world is shifting and changing. And how do we start understanding the underlying value shifts that are creating these patterns um, that's happening out there? So I love, I love thinking big picture. I love thinking where are we going? What does this mean? I think that how you said we have to figure out what what we're going to do right now. Obviously, there's mm -hmm. triage for every sure. business. I mean, we're doing it today. But we have to look up and say, we're going to get through this. What are we doing to figure out based on these shifts in behaviors and values of what's going on that we can set ourselves up for success? So um, I don't know. I'm excited to make things better when we come yes. out of it. I mean, I just, I am hopeful that we're moving in the right direction. I am hopeful. Yes. Well, I, I think that's all we can, you know, as entrepreneurs, I think we have to be always optimistic and hopeful that uh, yeah. we, we can keep creating better. And, and it doesn't that, mean, and I will say, you know, I mean, obviously in the strategic foresight world, there's multiple futures out there, right? So yes. we play out multiple. There's a transformative world, the market world, you know, and then the fortress world. I mean, there is that. And what makes me hopeful and it gives me more, I, I think people get stressed and anxious when you're focused on things that you cannot control. I mean, that's just how it is. Sure. But there are things you can control. So if I play out these scenarios and I say, okay, let's say that we've got data security breaches or this health scares or this, okay, what does that mean? Let's play that out and let's work backward to proactively set ourselves up to be able to work that out a little bit. You know, it, it makes me feel more in control when I've played out these scenarios. Yes. And then I can back in and say, okay, what I'm doing today is going to affect where we're going to be out there. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people think of, well, the future is the future. I don't want to worry about that now. But we proactively, what we're doing today affects that. Yes. So. And, I mean, it, the, I think this COVID scenario has forced everyone to really think about this future now of, mm -hmm. hey, there are scenarios where I think there are many things that have gotten advanced multiple years wow. in yeah, a very period of time. And we all had to figure things out, which I think, again, as an entrepreneur, makes me really hopeful to say, hey, we're proving once again as humans that we are pretty darn adaptable when um, we need to be. We're pretty resilient when we need to be. There's a lot of pain in the world. There's a lot of challenges in the world. And I think you know, great entrepreneurs always think about the new problems that have been created that, that need to be solved, and those are new opportunities. And so... Um, anytime we really feel good. like everything has been figured out, we, we clearly see that's not the case. No, but even before all of this, it all wasn't solved. And that's I right. think, I mean, one thing, especially during this time is what, what makes me most excited um, is having an impact. And so always focusing on what's the problem that's out there and how can we solve it and how can we make their lives better? That is very different than taking advantage of a situation. Yeah. If, if we're focused on how to make lives better, how to make uh, people, you know, make an impact, a positive impact. It's, it's, it's just a better way of thinking yes, about it. It gets right. me jazzed up every day. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what drives me first and foremost too. So I yeah. think we're definitely aligned there. So let's go, uh, let's go into the hood a, a little bit more. So we had talked previously and you'd said you hadn't originally intended to join the family business yeah. and it kind of, came about so you know earlier in your career you you weren't planning so what what happened there you know tell the audience kind of what changed or what happened to to get you uh, uh you know so i've got two entrepreneurial parents they both started their own business and um so growing up though it was funny i never knew even what my dad 
did. Mm -hmm. um, I knew that he worked with computers. Um, I knew he traveled a lot and I knew that he sold motorcycles or that's what I thought he did because uh, he worked for in the power sports world. I had no idea. Um, the rule in our family business, I guess I'll say, is that we had to work somewhere else before we could mm -hmm. work in the family business, which I think is fantastic. A, yes, great idea. Uh, the experience, the whatnot. So working at Home Depot, working at HSBC Bank, having large company experience mm -hmm. um, was very, um, it was just beneficial in so many ways. I then started realizing though, I think when I got older and we started realizing what he was actually doing, both my sister, my twin sister and I actually, we came back and we said, you know what, this is actually a pretty incredible business of what you're doing. And once we started coming in and asking more questions and figuring it out, we said, you know, there's an incredible opportunity here um, to do something with this. And yes. I, you know, I think I am blessed and I will say very fortunate mm -hmm. that I've had the opportunity of watching two parents start and grow their own business. And so actually a girlfriend of mine, one of my very best friends, she always says, how do you know you're going to be successful, Jenny? I, said, I don't know. I just do. And if this doesn't work, I'm going to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And so Kate and I came back in. We said, I, we wanted to give it a shot and see what this is all about. So um, I will say that, I mean, kind of even with some of the questions with family businesses here in Orange County, I had no idea the amount of family businesses that were here. Mm -hmm. I had no idea the power of being a part of a family business. Mm -hmm. so we decided to do this. There was a lot of people that said, don't do it. You're going to ruin your family. Mm -hmm. Not going to be able to have Thanksgiving dinner together. Like this is going to go down in a ball of flame. Mm -hmm. um, and so we right out the gate found out about the center of family business at Cal State Fullerton. Mm -hmm. We actually hired a family uh, transition consultant and we brought her in. I mean, we call it Keller, our therapist mm -hmm. and said, walk mm -hmm. us through this. And maybe it's the data-driven over-preparedness of our dad and us, but we went in with eyes wide open and we went in with a plan and said, mm -hmm. can we do this? Um, and kind of mapped out what it would be before we even started the journey. Mm -hmm. uh, and now, like you said, 12 years in, uh, it's really, it's a fun journey. <laughs> yes. So as, as you think about some of the key things that you set up there to make it work, I mean, a lot of people, to your point, are really skittish either they're evaluating their own family or they're they're just thinking about the idea that they need that separation i mean what what is it that you you did put in place to make it work um i would say one of the very big things and i mean i don't want to make this sound like it is just rainbows and oh no, it's hard no matter what right i mean because, yeah and um, and actually, yeah, it, it, Joanne Norton, and, and I think with any business, right, Joanne Norton, our transition consultant, who's incredible and amazing, she had us, I can't remember the book, but it was storming, norming, whatnot. And she said, you know, when things get bad, most people retreat, they go back, yes. you know, this is kind of a burning the, burning the ship kind of thing of don't go back, you know, you're already halfway there. So one of the very big things that we did in the very beginning was set clear boundaries. So Kate and I, as twin sisters, I mean, we went to different high schools growing up because we hated each other. I mean, we could <laughs> not be more different. And when people say, well, what if, um, well, so what if I met her and I thought it was you? I said, oh no, one, we look completely different. And two, you would, we are different people. Um, we did, we did strength finders out the gate, mm -hmm. like right out the gate. Cause I said, this would never work. I mean, I am a big picture thinker. There's never been an idea that I don't love. Um, I'm like, what are we doing up here? And all the details, that just kind of drives me nuts. Mm -hmm. I can't handle all that. 
she loves the details. She loves her to-do list. She loves her checklist. She loves her things. So we just set up really clear um, boundaries, area of responsibilities, and respecting each other of what it is. I mean, I now have an idea jar on my desk because mm -hmm. she's no new ideas. Yes. You're stressing out the team. I also think that, so understanding and respecting each other is it used to mm -hmm. drive me nuts, but now I understand there's no way our business would work without her. Um, and same thing. I also think that communication, communicate, communicate all the time. Mm -hmm. There is, um, there's always something um, and not to let these little things go. Um, and so over communicating um, is a big thing. Um, I think one of the last things too is um, leaving it at, leaving it at work, yeah. being able to, I mean, of course we're going to sit there and chat about certain things at the dinner table and especially with dad. I mean, he's retired now, but he still likes to have part mm -hmm. of the conversation, mm -hmm. but being able to leave it at work mm -hmm. um, and have our family time is sure. a good thing. Yeah. So does he still, does he, he still come in or is he still doing anything? Yeah. When I, so when I grew up, um, <laughs> my grandfather, I think partly just to get out of the house, yeah. Um, yeah. he maintained an office, I think until, mm -hmm uh pretty much until the day he passed that he had yeah you know, he had the right you know the respect of the family he could come yeah. in and um, yeah. they would let him do things you know buy lumber or, or so. yeah and i think that's a really big thing i mean regardless i'd say even outside of a family business if you think about a regular business ceo yeah. you know you get a new ceo and then you have the old ceo that had been there for you know 30 years mm -hmm. uh sitting in a different office people will 100% go there. I mean, they're yes. just gonna go there, but there's also institutional knowledge mm -hmm. that you don't want to lose. I mean, a big thing, Kate and I speak a lot at family business conferences, and one of them is honoring the past, but innovating for the future. Mm -hmm. And it is difficult in any family business to make changes, because when you make a change, it's kind of like, well, wait a second, yes. you know, you're changing what, you know, you're changing the, you know, the wallpaper here, you're changing whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so he was in here for a bit, you know, I'd say for the uh, first five years, we had an employment contract with him, mm. um, which is just an interesting yes. piece. I will say for any next generation that's coming in, it is interesting then of talking to your parents about mm -hmm. financial issues and certain things and whatnot. But um, he is now officially retired, um, so he's not on uh, payroll, mm -hmm. but we definitely bring him in for special projects. Sure. Um, and I'd say we were chatting a little bit before about boards, advisory boards. Um, we definitely still go to him for, okay, hey, dad, you know, in this situation, because you can't ignore 35 sure. years of being in here and what's mm -hmm. gone on. Um, and yeah, so he's, he's our strategic advisor, I guess I'd say. On yeah, that's super cool. Yeah, super cool. Fun. So uh, we were talking about, I mean, there are a lot of family businesses. There's a lot of history. I, I feel like in many respects, uh, family businesses really built Orange County to a large degree. So as you think about, I mean, you mentioned transition is starting. I, I feel like we're, we're probably in the early stages of transition here, which is meaning either the companies are probably going to get sold or they're going to transition to a next generation. Yeah. So as you think about that and you think about you know my world of these high growth you know yeah. sort of uh venture style growth type of companies where do you see an an intersection there yeah. 
I think it's so exciting. I mean, one, I think what you're doing here of even, um, it, it seems so odd to me of having like legacy family business, having a conversation. I mean, when we first talked, I was like, I'm not in the startup world. I'm a legacy business and a family business. And that even just that connotation is, you know, kind of a, uh, you know, that we're set in our ways of way where things are. I love this, um, I don't know, collision, I guess you'd yes. say. I mean, that, that's how I think about it. It's like, I, I think there's huge opportunities for those things to happen. Unbelievable opportunities. I mean, especially when I also, I think that a lot of um, focus needs to be on succession planning, just in general, that's a different kind of topic yes. I, you know, in, in so many different places because more attention needs to be brought to that. But as this new generation comes in and how do we, I mean, it comes back to how do we honor the past of what we have going on? Yes. Um, and I mean, I've got people that have been here for 25 plus years, they're doing things and we've, we're running this well-oiled machine and it is difficult to bring any sort of change into an organization. Mm. I mean, change is difficult mm -hmm. regardless. That's right. We don't, we as humans, that's the one thing we really like yes. to resist. Yes. Yes. But how do we then, and I, I just think most businesses and family businesses for sure have their head down doing a really good job. I mean, we are running businesses, we're solving problems, yes. we're doing things. And I don't think that we look up enough to realize the resources, the networks, the what. I mean, Kate and I have had years of conversation about how do we innovate and grow and using our team, which is great, but then we're starting from scratch. And when we started talking, I said, well, wait a second, why don't we partner with, which is why I've gotten involved with Chapman, Fullerton, mm -hmm. UCI, over at the Cove of, why don't we, bring in these young, this young blood and this entrepreneur spirit and somehow infuse that in there. I think we need to, I think what you're doing here is sharing the stories of it being successfully done. Yes. Uh, because I think it's a scary thing thinking, um, how do we keep our legacy companies the way they are and keep mm -hmm. focused and doing this while infusing this new in here. Um, and I think if we could be I don't know, bringing these success stories in there. I just mm -hmm. think that there's a really good, great opportunity right now. Yes. Well, the fascinating thing to me is, so I, you know, I look at it as this continuum between you know, startup companies that are, they're new, but yep. they're, they're on a somewhat longer time horizon, right? Yep. These usually take a while to really take off and realize their full potential. And then you have, somewhat in the middle these corporations that often are either private equity or public type of companies that have this incredibly short time horizon oh yeah and then you have family businesses over here that actually in my opinion orient a little bit more long term as well yes and so i actually think that businesses like yours can relate to startups more yeah. than corporations tend to Yep. And you've seen, for example, you've seen this huge proliferation of what's called corporate venture capital, mm -hmm. where corporate are taking money off their balance sheet and usually either making investments in um, strategically aligned earlier stage companies or things that, that are just sheerly about financial return yep. and some combination depending on, on the corporation. But you're not seeing much of that happening in in family businesses where I feel like, again, the time horizons are easier to align because typically in a startup, when you're talking to a bigger company, you're saying, hey, we're, we're gonna help solve some issues in your uh, company or product roadmap 
a couple right. years, a few years out. Right. And to me, again, that aligns with how more stable family-run companies yeah. tend, tend to think about planning, right? So I've always thought there's this natural synergy mm -hmm. and, and alignment that should be there, but it's just, it's largely been missed because I think people, to your point, their heads down, they're working it. on this and they're not thinking about how this either disruption could really be compelling or interesting or problematic if it really came aggressively right. after their market or even redefining what business you're in. I mean, I, I remember, I remember asking my dad at one point, you know, we, we were in the retail business for the entirety of, you know, almost 150 years. And there was a point at which I, I said, well, there are 3000 other people like you. Why you? What if you, what if you thought about going, instead of being focused on your geographic market, what if you thought about what's the thing I do better than any of these other 3000 people that I could go provide to them yep. and sort of think at it, you know, you and I, I think both have sort of ideas in, in yep. maybe orthogonal ways. And it just didn't, it just didn't make sense. And I think, I think that's like, that's the, also the opportunity is the pace of change is happening so rapidly that just continue to think on how do we redefine the business that we're in or the business that we should be in. Yeah. And, that that I think is where sort of working more closely with with innovators on the outside could be helpful. I I do think that I mean there's so much in there to kind of unpack, but I do think that right now we're in a very interesting spot because I think that family businesses and I'm just you know in general, but I mean larger businesses or something they haven't had to change right like yes. what they did 35 years ago. Um, worked and it's continually working, right? Mm -hmm. Kate and I spoke at Transitions West a while ago up in Marina Del Rey a year or two ago, and we were on this panel of honoring the past, innovating mm -hmm. the future. We're very proud about being around for 35 yes. years. Yeah. And on our little Incredible. name badge, it said uh, G2. And so it, mm -hmm. I hadn't really realized, but you know, you yeah. get to that word generation two. So we, and we were on the last day of this panel. So we sat down at this table and she's across from me. And I'm looking around, there's a G3, G4, G5, G6. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm texting her under the table. Holy crap, my kids, <laughs> we are babies in this room. I mean, we are babies in this room. Who are we to say honoring the past? But what I realized at the end of this is there were companies that had been around for 100 years, mm -hmm. 75, 80 years. And right now is the time that they're saying, we need to change. They've been able to, and it's been successful being this whole time. So regardless if we were around for a hundred years, right. 50 years or 35, now we're in this spot where we are realizing things have to be different. Um, and I think that just picking up our heads and realizing there is, there are, there are um, solutions, resources that can help get us to jumpstart mm -hmm. getting to where we need to be faster than we need to be. Because the thing about family businesses, and my dad always said that he was a terrible sales guy. Like you were not a terrible sales guy. You ran a business and grew a business. Mm -hmm. He was, he always went in, he listened to his clients, yep. he listened to their problems and he solved them. Family businesses, because there's all these new startups out here that might be sitting in their garage or sitting in wherever, um, dreaming of these ideas, right? And thinking there's a problem out there. Family businesses have been living, breathing, yes. talking to their customers this entire That's time. Right. If you listen to your customers, then family businesses can say, hey, I'm solving this problem, but there's also this problem. We don't have that solution. Right. How do I go out and find a group that can help me jumpstart that? So 
I think family businesses and long-term family businesses succeed because they've been listening to their customers, mm -hmm. solving problems. How do we marry those two together? Is it's huge. I think what you're doing here, you're going to revolutionize the uh, <laughs> yeah, entrepreneurship I, and family. It just business. makes sense. To I, I agree. I mean, you you have the customer's ear. You have the customer yeah. relationships. In, you you have these long-standing yeah. industry contexts, which mm -hmm. often are really valuable as well. Yeah. And so, to me, there are these really logical pieces to put together so we're, we're gonna go figure it out i love it i love I'm it i'm so excited yeah yes. so let's talk a little bit about i mean i you know you you've teased it like I, a big reason why i started the show was to have these conversations which i get the privilege of having i feel so blessed to be able to to meet amazing folks like you and your sister and and there are these incredible people and incredible companies in this area that don't get nearly the yeah stories told the the coverage and, and so a lot of this was about uh just sharing that and and saying i think there probably are some other people that are interested and, and curious like me hopefully i, I yeah. think they are uh, so as you think about the southern california or orange county business community mm -hmm. overall from where you sit how would you describe it to other people being well, born and raised here, Orange yeah. County, Mission Viejo, South Orange County girl. I mean, I went to school in Colorado and left and whatnot, but came back here, lived in San Diego. Um, I mean, it's incredible to me the diversity of businesses that are here. Um, I will say it seems fragmented. Yes. Um, and, I, you know, I mean, just in, in full transparency of how this is for so long in debt, he always said we were the best kept secret in Orange County. Mm -hmm. I said, well, thank you as I came in with the sales Orange market. County, I think is the best kept secret in the country too, right? Yes, I feel like everyone is just head down, doing a really good job, doing great things. But I didn't realize until I started tapping into different organizations. So, um, so one, I just say, I think Orange County is fragmented mm -hmm. with the things going on. It also seems like the right hand and the left hand doesn't really understand What's happening? I mean, it's amazing to me that I talk to people and I'll say, oh, do you know there's a family business council at Fullerton? No idea. Mm -hmm. Hey, did you know about the code? No idea. Like, how is that possible that that is happening? And there are so many incredible organizations that are shouting from the rooftop yes. the amazing work that's being done. So what is not happening here that, that we're just not getting, I don't know, the visibility there? Mm -hmm. um, I will say that when we started to, but at the same time, as I say, it's fragmented, this community in Orange County is so incredible. Like once we actually started tapping into it and really realizing what was happening, the contacts and the people and like the best friends, I think we've made it through this COVID time and we've grown and expanded because of the other leaders, generous, I'll say leaders in Orange County. Mm. So I've then just started reaching out to people and connecting with them kind of, I mean, you even just reached out to me and people have been so generous and so open to helping and talking and connecting. Um, I think that people want to have this mm -hmm. um, community. Yes. So I think it's happening. Yes. We just don't have as much, um, uh, I don't know, visibility, I guess. I don't know, I, I love it here. I mean, 40 oh, rides I... in here. Um, yes. uh, 
And I will say the talent, I mean, we've, we have incredible team here. I mean, everything that we have, we've got an incredible, incredible team here. And then these students, I was just saying, I've got three interns starting next week from Fullerton. Yeah. Super excited about, we've had incredible people here in Orange mm -hmm. County. Um, so selfishly, I want this to continue to grow because this is where I want to stay and raise my family. So. That's right. Yeah, it, it has it has all the pieces. I think that's yeah. um, it. It takes some uh, commitment to make these connections and build these relationships. It, yeah. you know, one of the things I, I, I definitely talked about previously. There, there, I think is somewhat of a history of maybe too much transactional mindset and not enough relational mm -hmm. yeah. mindset. And and I think times like this uh, bring out some of the generosity and and some of that longer term thinking and and again that's where to me this is where folks like you can take a great leadership position because you are long-term oriented you don't that's right you don't need this to to consummate in some transaction today and so i think that's where we need you know that abundant mindset and that belief that we all can do great here because this the quality of life here is unmatched anywhere anywhere else and so um part of why you know i tend to do what i do is to say like how are there ways that we can create more opportunities for more people who are here and, yeah. and potentially then use that to build for others that will come um mm -hmm. you know after and so that yeah, has to be yeah that has to be to some extent, right? It, but it has to be this cultural, uh, sort of cultural value that that we have. That it, it it's not about you know I win you lose. Is how can we all win together? And I and I do agree that I think it's changing. It needs yeah. to change faster. And part of part of my drive too is really this kind of more innovative, somewhat maybe even risk taking mm -hmm. risk all being you know perceived but more of a risk-taking mindset because we we have a lot of very successful businesses that were able to do well and and maybe aren't fully accounting for why they did well maybe it was right place right time it was there was you know this is an area that has grown radically over the last 50 years and just by being in the right place there, there was some natural growth, which is great, but that complacency isn't going to uh, help you in the next era. And so there's a lot of, I would say, a lot of digital transformation needs. There's, um, as, as somebody was reminding me yesterday, if you're not a software company today, you're probably going to be in trouble yep. in, in the not too distant future because it is really a part of every business. It, it's uh, in insane. some way which is changing is mm -hmm. uh, mind-boggling yes. yes crushingly overwhelming someday. that's right and so that that's where i look and i say somehow we have to create more of these collisions because that's yeah. good for everybody how do you take an existing business that's done well but is not prepared for the next wave and yeah. inject them with new thinking and probably a pretty significant transformation. Those are really compelling opportunities as I think about it. A hundred percent. And I think one sharing the stories of good things happening, like you yes. said, I think it's that abundant mindset mm -hmm. as, a, as a fixed versus growth mindset. Yeah. 
Um, I truly believe that there's so much opportunity out there that if we're all rising, if we're all coming together, working together on pieces, um, there's enough. I mean, that is the thing. I mean, yes. I, I, I don't know. It's Pollyanna, I guess. But I mean, even in the industries that I work in, I mean, we do a lot in the power sports industry. They come together as an industry, mm -hmm. share information, share knowledge. I mean, it's, you know, the grow boating, like, let's get yep. everybody out there. Let's yes. do different things. And then the entire industry, and then the best product is going to survive. But mm -hmm. we need to just hey, come together to rise. Um, it's exciting. Yeah. Yes. So any, any other thoughts on thing? I mean, I like maybe, maybe we create, you know, it's the orange County industry. Part of what, you know, there are a lot of people that will say, you know, this collection of 34 cities, right. there isn't really a center core that there isn't one city that really stands out above all the rest. And right. so how do we define what this is and create sort of this, this sense of, definition and pride and, and commitment at that kind of level um, is probably been some, some of the symptom. I think so. I mean, it, Orange County is so diverse too. It I is. mean, that is the thing. Which is part I of mean, what's amazing about it. Exactly. I mean, that is the whole thing. Like, I mean, obviously I'm like, you know, Irvine right in the middle and what they're doing in Newport, but then, you know, the North County of what we've got going on in South County and different pieces. So we have to figure out a way to bring them all together, which I think, a lot of that's already happening. So I think that that's it too is, you know, so I'm like, we should start something new, but you know, not necessarily. I think, you know, that's we right. have to take our own medicine here is there's so much already happening. How do we give visibility yes. to the great coalitions? What's happening, these universities that are partnering mm -hmm. together, the universities that are connecting, you know, I think over at UCI, they're connecting the businesses with the universities. Cause that's why I say at the same time of, we're working on all these projects, but the universities are doing so much work of how do we get this? So. Um, I don't know. It sounds like a really uh, exciting project for you, Carrie, is uh, <laughs> uniting Orange County. Oh, it's a, yeah, it's an undertaking. But I, I, the, the part that I think I probably get the most excited about, honestly, is the youth movement. Oh and gosh. that is probably one of the biggest transformations that mm -hmm. is in the early days. And I think super exciting to yeah. see as you look at, you know, there, there there's almost a, a somewhat of a family oh, yeah. uh, a, or a group of folks that have been leading here for a long time. Yeah. And one way or the other, they're going to have to let go hmm. and cede that control to the next generation. And that's the part that I actually find super exciting because you have this younger group. I'm so I somewhat feel like stuck in the middle, but there's this younger group that has different ambitions and different values. And one way or the other, they're going to dramatically change. But I do know well, to so my core cool. that they're gonna be very community-minded. And I don't think though, I mean, part of this is, so having just gone through this strategic foresight training last year, and I was up in Portland and we did this awesome training with people from around the world doing mm -hmm. this program. While I was up there in Portland, I met a, a young guy that was actually a Fullerton student, mm. um, Housen, uh, and he went through the training with me and doing some stuff so bright, so incredible. Well, we're working on a project now together on the future of customer insights, mm. the customer, future of customer behavior, because we're, you know, we're doing the future mm -hmm. of this, future of that, working with clients. We switched it on ourselves. And I said, well, why don't we turn this internally? And what is the future of, back to one of your original questions, of how to better um, 
predict and measure customer behavior and what they want. So it's working with him on this project and bringing him in. And so to Kate, you know, the amount of influence that this young kid, I'll kind of say, has in our business. So I don't think we have necessarily have to just turn over the reins and say, okay, we're out. Yes. But how can we partner? And he's so excited to work with us. And he just, I mean, one of the first things was, was came back and interviewed us, interviewed partners of ours, mm -hmm. learned from us, and then seeing a different perspective of what's going on. So how do we, I mean, that goes back to how do we marry it together? Um, because if we just say, okay, you guys are in charge now. I mean, that's sure. not going to of course. either. No, we need to bring them, we need to bring them in, just like you're describing. I think that's brilliant. It's Incredible. Yeah, and having to look, we're always because he'll bring up ideas. I'm like, well, no, that won't work. No, that won't work. And I'm like, oh man, I'm turning into my dad that says that won't work. But how can we be open to the possibility of, which is why I love future planning, because let's just scenario, let's just bring it out there, make it seem absurd, and then come back and say, what can we do with this? So um, we, yeah, I think this next generation gets a bad rap, but they are so hungry. They're yeah. so excited. They obviously they want the now. Yes. Uh, but and that'll be the interesting thing. It's like, how does that, how does but, that play out? I mean, quite honestly, one of my very first jobs at Home Depot and Cherish, Cherish Chase is my, my mentor for life. She's awesome. She was like my boss at the time. And I remember being a young marketing coordinator and interviewing for the manager job. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally right out the gate. I mean, yeah. I was like, I wanted that yeah. offense. I wanted, I wanted yeah. to be the manager. I interviewed for the job. However many years ago this was, like 20 years ago. And I didn't get it. I mean, mm -hmm. here's the deal. She said, no, you are not prepared. Yep. You don't know what you're doing. And quite honestly, you don't want to be the manager. Mm -hmm. Now, looking back, I'm like, God, so nice that I could just do my own work and not worry about all this stuff. But that was the best thing that could have ever happened to me. And though at the same time, she said no. She told me what I needed and she took mm -hmm. me under her wing. So the thing is, I know a lot of people say, well, we have to give this to the next generation. We have to give them these promotions. We have to do mm -hmm. these things. We might lose them. I think there's a better way of doing it. I wouldn't yes. be where I am today if she would have just handed it to me, the company, my, I would have failed That's right. at that. So she said, no, and this is what we can be doing mm -hmm. to get me better groomed and prepared. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it's a bad thing. I mean, having been a young, ambitious right. person right out of college that wanted that manager role um, to kind of be put in my place-ish, yes. because you do have to learn and grow, but she put me in right. positions that got me to the spot where I could be learning things. So. Well, and that's where that's where we grow, right? The, those those stumbles, those failures. I mean, I, I probably draw, yeah, I probably draw on my biggest stumbles and failures far more for learning and motivation and inspiration on a on a daily, weekly basis than the the times that it just worked. And, oh, I mean, I could go on and on about the yes. failures, but you know, I mean, that that's what made me better and shoot i'm like sure as heck i'm not gonna make that mistake again exactly. and now exactly. I can, man those things and i double check everything every phone number every this whatever <laughs> exactly so how how do you keep yourself sharp and and innovate yourself yeah um you have it, a you know three decade yeah. old business it's done well yep. yeah it, it, you know you, you're on top of the world so how, how do you keep yourself innovative and sharp yeah um, I, I read incessantly about different things. My husband always tells me, I feel like you're studying for a test that you're never going to take. Um, uh, which <laughs> is like, that's funny. crazy. Um, Blinkist is my favorite because mm -hmm. I, you know, I read a book at least a day yeah. uh, when I listen to them. Um, I surround myself with other people. 
I'm always asking questions, which I think drives people kind of crazy. Um, but I think that one of our biggest challenges that we're facing, I mean, just in bigger, you know, is that people um, get so siloed in their way of thinking and the people that they talk to. I mean, I think that all these algorithms are fantastic, which, mm -hmm. you know, I use Flipboard and all of that. But the problem is it gets curated, curated, yes. curated, and you're only seeing um, your unconscious right. bias. And so, and, and I, I very much question everything I read. I mean, I want to know well, why is that and what's going on. And I read things that I, that I would disagree with. And because I also, you know, my husband always says, well, why are you asking them? Or why are you even talking to them? I said, because I want to understand their point of view. Do I agree? Mm -hmm. Not necessarily, but I don't think we're ever going to get there unless we're having different conversations. Sure. Um, I mean, one thing that's really been tough during obviously this COVID during for everybody is the lack of going out and actually meeting people mm -hmm. and talking to them as an extrovert yes. that loves talking to people. This is like killing me being yes. in here. I shouldn't say that, but this is a struggle. I get it. I get it. So I'm, I'm always reading, talking, learning. Everyone always says, I don't understand. I mean, but at the same time, I mean, I, obviously, I'm a working mom. I've got a kindergartner this year, a fourth grader. I got a husband running a business. And people say, how do you have the time to do these things? But um, I think it's very important every day to take the time. And I am blessed. I'm in a blessed position that I can because it's part of my job. Mm -hmm. But we need to always be thinking and growing. And there are ways of doing it. I mean, I walked, on, I walked around the block this morning with my dog for a half an hour and listened to a book. Sure. I mean, so I, instead of sitting on the couch and flipping through Instagram, um, which is very tempting with my cup of coffee, I take every moment I can yes. always be learning and growing. I think that that's huge. I, I think that's something that so many can draw from. So we, Jenny, we're, we're, I knew this would, would be conversation. I know. So we're, we're coming up to the end. So final lap, I always want my guests to kind of leave a key piece of advice or lesson that they, uh, you know, that they really lean on. So what, what's the biggest piece of advice you'd give to other entrepreneurs or, or people running a business right now? Oh man. I mean, we've touched on so many things kind of, yeah. of like we just did. I think uh, back to kind of the very beginning, focus on your customers, mm -hmm. focus on what problem you're solving. Um, make sure I, I chatted with a business a while ago and we were talking about their feedback that we did. And they just said, you know, I don't have time to talk to the customers. I don't have time to deal with that. And I said, that right there, I think is going to be your, the killer of your business. Yes. Is if you don't have time to talk to your customers, and focus on them that, that it's not going to work because that somebody is, else will it's the it, 100% and that is the thing that matters so I also think that look at the bigger picture I think sometimes same thing of we're all just putting our head down um, and as data people like we'll just be looking at the numbers but we need to look up and realize that our products services or whatnot do not operate in a vacuum so what else is happening in your customers lives so even when you're out talking to your customers and you're talking about the you're solving what else is happening in their lives right now um, I mean the fact of even like looking at journeys customer journeys and personas or whatnot it's all been turned on its head I mean I'm a I'm a businesswoman that's running a business but at the same time I got a kindergartner in the other room that's yes. distance learning and that's I'm right. sorting out. and if you can solve that problem at the same time of this problem I'll be even more loyal to you so I that's think right. you can look at the bigger picture and get a deeper connection with your customers as opposed to just solving this one thing, that's, right. that's gonna be bigger. So 
just be curious and talk to people and yeah the headline the headline for this discussion will be why might that be why might that be i, I that think that that is yeah i think that is so so compelling and something that we all need to really keep as a post-it on our computer so Jenny, uh, thank you so much for joining me and for sharing all this wisdom and perspective. I mean, amazing, amazing. Thank you for really, you know, for continuing to be a, a huge part of this community. You're, you're part of the connectivity and fabric that is making Orange County as great as it is and being a, uh, an incredible business leader here. And so I'm super excited for what's ahead for you and, and Kate and, and the business at, at McKinsey Corporation. Uh, keep, keep accelerating and doing what you're doing. Awesome. Thanks so much. You've just listened to Accelerate OC. Join our live recordings every Tuesday morning at accelerateoc.com or listen, like, and share anytime from your favorite podcast spot. Let's Accelerate OC together.